White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter, Eknerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You might win a Locked On Sox prize pack when we get our next 100 subscribers 312-566-8727 is the way you can leave a voice message or locked on socks at gmail.com for emails without any further ado thanks to this man who did the monday show by himself because i was out on assignment it is chris Tannehill. how you doing chris yeah and they won and now you're back and now they lost so i don't know what's going on with that herb uh, to be honest with you i, I really just don't know can we t- uh, talk about anything else other than that game awesome. uh, i don't really want to talk about it <laughs> you know it's monday you know it feels like it should be sunday or you know later in the week uh and i don't want to talk about that game uh, Sox lose four to three to the Royals, and it's just a, not an aesthetically pleasing game. Sometimes it's just not your night, but that doesn't mean that uh, you have to go out and lose a game like that. You know, uh, where, where do we begin? Uh, well, let's start with our presenting sponsor, shall we? We are brought to you today by the Locked On MLB Trade Deadline. The trade deadline's approaching, and the Locked On MLB YouTube channel will be streaming the hot stove live. Two hours of MLB trade analysis from our Locked On lineup of local experts. Subscribe to Locked On MLB on YouTube and tune in July 30th beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern. 2 o'clock central here for our local listeners, but no need to worry if you follow the White Sox. They're not going to trade for anyone, so it really is no concern to you, uh, so I would not worry about that. I, I do want to get your thoughts. They already got the trade chip. Who's that? Aloy Jimenez. Oh, yeah. It's like a trade. Um, and in typical Sox fashion, they acquire someone who goes 0 for 4. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. He was much better for his old team. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're right on the, up to par here with what we're used to. Um, but, yeah, they're going to they're gonna acquire a center fielder in a couple weeks here. Um, Luis Robert. I, I want to get your thoughts on your Friar Faithful, though. That's uh, I, I, I regret not doing the show with you yesterday because I would have loved to hear your thoughts on one of your number one trade targets in Adam Frazier, a guy that we've been talking about for weeks. And, of course, it's the Padres uh, who are super aggressive once again uh, making that move yesterday. I didn't talk to you about this uh, off the air either, so I'm dying to hear uh, your thoughts on it. I think that A.J. Preller is proving that he's leaving no stone unturned if the Padres were to fail, come short, even losing the first wild card because that's what they're heading for. Fans in San Diego and abroad and wherever fans for the San Diego Padres are will be like, okay, I'm disappointed our team lost, but also I'm happy my GM and my ownership is allowing us to go for it. And, you know, everybody knows MLB playoffs are crapshoot, especially if you're getting that one game playoff to get into the actual um, playoffs. That's a crapshoot. So you're going to have to put yourself in the best position possible to capture a championship so 
why not have the more players on your team that can do better things? So they have a second baseman, Jake Cronenworth. Did that stop them from getting one of the best second base targets in the whole trade market? No, it did not. And I look at the trade. Those people are not going to hurt. And maybe they turn into players, but they're not huge prospects for the San Diego Padres. They didn't give up that much. I don't know the equivalent for the White Sox, but what I want Rick Hahn to get from this A.J. Preller thing where he's going to get Snell, he's going to get Darvish, he's going to get people in the offseason. Now Adam Frazier, even though the position that he plays is already manned by an all-star second baseman, is you, you don't leave it to chance. You don't leave it to, uh, man, we got a couple years down the line. We're going to become we're going to compete. No, you go and try to put your team in the best position to compete. And there's so many problems in this team. We see it constantly. Brewer series really pointed out our inefficiency to hitting good pitching. And I know that's a hard thing and no one really hits the Brewers pitching. But hell, that's the type of pitching you're going to have to go uh, against in the playoffs. There are going to be a bunch of those teams. So we need some more help. We need more chances to have better players and better at bats to give us better results. So I would say to Rick Hahn, look at what AJ Preller is doing out there. He wants to win and he's leaving no stone unturned. Yeah. So another interesting name before we will get into the game last night. I don't know if there's anything you could take from that game. There's, there's a couple of big picture things that are concerning here, but another name that was floated last night uh, around the, the trade circles here is Trey Turner. Apparently the nationals are, are telling uh, other GMs across the league that everyone but Juan Soto has become available. So that uh, brings some interesting possibilities uh, with a lot of talent on that roster to poach from. And I look at a guy like Trey Turner, who is you know a shortstop by Trey, but it's a guy who can play uh, all over the infield. And with that glaring need at second base being right there for you, uh, Trey Turner is hitting 320 with an OBP of 368 this year with an OPS of 887. And I'm wondering what you think about uh, Trey Turner as a possible fit for the White Sox. And, and a funny thing about this is he's got one more year. He's making $13 million this year with one more year of arbitration uh, next year. So I'm wondering if this is one of those targets where the Sox can say, you know what, we'll, we'll pick up the majority of the, that remaining contract uh, in exchange for it to give you the financial relief and we won't have to part with uh, uh, top-of-the-line prospects and I think we talked about it on the show before but one of the pitfalls of the Sox organization tends to fall into is they much rather part with with people than money and case in point our guy Cody Decker had reported that he had heard that the reason why uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. was sent to the Padres in exchange for James Shields is because of the money situation. The Sox did not want to eat uh, most of that contract, so they sent Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, in exchange with Eric Johnson to sort of alleviate uh, the financial burden of that trade. So that stuff comes back uh, around to bite you when you when you don't want to just uh, like the way we see it is just so it, it's easy. Money is just money. You know, you you make it back or you lose it, whatever. But it's a sunk cost, or it can even be uh, you know profitable at a certain point but you look at a guy like Trey Turner 13 million dollars this year uh, that guy would certainly help this team right now but maybe the way you could see it is 
if Rick Hahn maybe is is playing his cards right here, he's waiting to the last minute to strike because every day it seems now more guys are becoming available. You look at Barrios, all of a sudden he was not available. All of a sudden today they open up the Twins and say, you know what, we're going to throw him out there because we feel like he could be the best player on the open market. So maybe if Rick Hahn waits, he can get a guy that maybe is off our radar. But what do you think about Trey Turner maybe to the south side? Really solid player. Like he is prototypical shortstop middle infielder which i think he'll play second base for the white Sox if they did acquire him i don't think they'll move timmy off for short there he's been playing really well this year with the glove but if the white Sox found a way to acquire that type of player trey turner he's an all-star in his own right just like adam frazier was and this guy would make the white Sox the fastest team in american league since Maybe even before, uh, what was it, Willie McGee and Vince Coleman, all those guys <laughs> on the St. Louis Cardinals, that'll be that type of team because Trey's a speed burner. So we remember the mean? Royals a few years ago with, with you know you had Locaine and Dyson and uh, Terrence Gore. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they speed burners out there, and they, I think they had Billy Hamilton too. I don't know if that was the same team, but they no, had some. They burners. had them eventually, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's will be awesome for the White Sox. You have guys who are speed merchants, but also they can handle the bat, and he can handle the bat for himself really well this year he's going 319 367 and 521 for the slash line for a ops plus of 146 it's just way above average for any hit hitter and for a shortstop slash second baseman he's having an outstanding year 18 home runs and 49 driven in put him at the top of the lineup of this white Sox lineup you got alloy back today you're going to get Luis robert back probably in a couple of weeks so man that lineup would be unstoppable. And so you give yourself more chances to do things versus tough pitchers. They have a tough at bat every time. Sometimes they're going to throw a mistake up there. And that's what a lineup stacked with just hitters will do for a pitcher. And that's what the White Sox need to do. So getting Trey Turner would be ideal right now. I didn't know it was available until, like you said, Mike Rizzo's letting people know we're open for business except for Juan Soto. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think maybe having a, a positive uh, rapport with the general manager in question I think would help. The Rick Hahn has certainly dealt with Mike Rizzo uh, and a couple times before, and it worked out favorably for both parties when you talk about that Adam Eaton trade. He helped them win a World Series. And, of course, you know, Lucas Giolito coming on and he's able to parlay Dane Dunning into Lance Lynn and oh, don't forget Ronaldo Lopez. Maybe they can even have him back if they'd like. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go there. Jesus. Let's not get crazy, okay? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to part with Ronaldo for Trey Turner. But, yeah, so hopefully uh, Rick Hahn can make, you know, something work here. I'm getting nervous, you know, as you see uh, the relief pitchers, the middle relievers are starting to fly off the board here. Andrew Chafin going to the Oakland Athletics reportedly uh, from the Cubs and the, the Sox you know they you know they could use all the help they can get down there in that bullpen I, I think more right-handed is what they would need but you know Andrew Chafin's having a good year so you get nervous when you you see your competitors and everyone in the American League is a competitor at this point, especially when you talk about the A's and Rays, who looks like they'll be playing for that 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 final spot. And, you know, the Rays go out and get Nelson Cruz, who's been tearing it up. And Nelson Cruz was a guy that could have been uh, in the in the pinstripes on the south side, but uh, things did not work out that way. So I, I, I really hope 
you know, what we think, at least what I think is going to happen. I hope that happens where Rick Hahn just sits and waits for the last minute for these teams to get desperate. Like why Eduardo Escobar is not here already, I have no idea what the Diamondbacks are doing. Uh, but I certainly don't want to get uh, put over the barrel of, on, on uh, behalf of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like that's a losing organization right there with not a lot of chips to trade. And, you know, you don't want to be the sucker at the table. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's get to this game, shall we? Um, yep. Briefly here, the Sox lose 4-3. to three. We begin where we always begin and talking about the game at hand is with the uh, man on the mound. Dallas Keiko was a whole big pile of meh. Last night he goes six innings, six hits, four runs. They were earned. Just the one walk, only three strikeouts. He gives up the three home runs, though, uh, two to Jorge Soler. And I'm just going to go out on, on, a, on a ledge here, okay? Um, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. my views do not reflect those of, of Herb Lawrence, of mm-hmm. Locked On White Sox Podcast, of the Locked On Podcast Network. But I'm going to say this about strategy. Um, I would not, under any circumstance, uh, challenge Jorge Soler with an 87-mile-per-hour fastball with a slider uh, over the heart of the plate because uh, those pitches go far. I, that's bad strategy right there. I'm going to blame Tony. Coach Tony, I think, called for those pitches uh, right over the uh, heart of the plate at 87 miles an hour, leading to two bombs, absolute missiles by Jorge Soler. But I, I do kind of, you know, all kidding aside, I do kind of have a problem with the, the, the one guy in the lineup that can beat you single-handedly Jorge Soler has been uh, been white hot lately, and he ends up being the difference in that ball game last night. I, I don't understand how you let him beat you the second time. You know, the first time, whatever it happens, uh, but the second time, I don't understand. There, friends, what's going on? Yeah, I don't know the game plan right there. Like that guy, you know, can hit any ball, mistake or not, really far. But if you leave it at the heart of the plate, like, yeah, you know what you throw in. You know, Dallas is not trying to throw it the heart of the plate like that. But, yeah. you know, you know, mistakes like that, you know, just off by that much, the ball is going to get hit hard. And that 450-plus home run, that was a huge mistake. And off the bat, I was like, that is way gone. Goodness gracious. Or you forget how strong. I think he hit, what, 49 home runs a couple of years ago, Jorge Soler. The guy is just naturally strong. So this is what the Cubs projected him to be, the guy who's just knocking balls. It's not that much this year. I think it's only 13, but it seems like he's hitting his groove. I think it's his back-to-back two-home run games for Jorge Soler. So he's starting to hit a groove right now. And I think tomorrow if uh, – I don't know who's pitching. Is Lucas pitching tomorrow? Uh, worst pitcher at baseball. No, I think, I think, is it uh, is it Dylan? Yeah, Dylan Cease oh, D- is going. Dylan Cease. Dylan's going against our favorite guy, Brad Keller. So, so you know, he brings a little bit more heat than a Dallas Keuchel. But take the the scouting report with you. He can hit balls really far, and a ninety-seven <laughs> goal really, really far. So, if you have a chance to walk this guy, a really hot hitter right now, walk him. This rest of this Kansas City lineup, I'm not scared of, except for Whit Merrifield. Yeah, and uh, Whit Merrifield comes through uh, again uh, last night. But uh, Dallas Keuchel's got a problem. He, all these pitches that were mistakes were left up in the zone, and I don't know what's going on with him. He's most effective working down in the zone, getting that weak contact. Uh, when he makes mistakes, um, they, they are often up and they go a long way. So I don't know what's got to get tightened up there. But, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to bring your, uh, your your bats to the ballpark if Dallas Keuchel is going for you because you never just know – you never never know what you're going to get with him. So, um, you know, just not an impressive outing. Need, need to be better. But the Sox at the same time, you got you got to do better for your guy there than, than to just come out of this one uh, scoring just the three runs. They gave him a little bit of a thrill there in the ninth, and we'll talk about that final play of the game and here. Be- go ahead. Before we go, uh, I think it was Casey Boguslaw had some – 
interesting stats on his Twitter feed saying pretty much that since Yasmani has grown down and Dallas has to throw to either Zach Collins, I think mostly Zach Collins, or Sebi Zavala, the performances of Dallas have gone that much down. His grades on Dallas' last five starts are FFDD, and tonight he gave him an F. Seven barrels allowed in, in his last three starts. And barrels, I think, are like balls hit with 97, 95% or something like that. I don't know the exact definition, but a barrel's bad if you're a pitcher. And if you're a hitter, it's really good. It's there. You're hitting the barrel of the bat. You're giving up hard contact. So he's given up seven barrels in the last three games. Really bad for a guy, especially, who's throwing that slow. All right, so you, you led me to it there. Uh, Zach Collins um, comes on as a pinch hitter because, you, you, again, you have uh, three quarters uh, of a catcher here with Grantal being on the IL. You know, he comes on to pinch hit, and you're just you're just waiting for Zach Collins to, to hit a ball really hard uh, in a spot like that. He's not able to come through. But my problem is not with the limited offensive opportunities of Zach Collins tonight per se but it's just it's the the pitch framing and it's no more evident of how bad he is back there behind the plate and for for whatever reason guys love throwing to him you don't hear a bad word about him but you know but you look at Salvi Perez and just he's just masterful and I know you're talking about a team captain a world series winning catcher a a perennial all-star when he's healthy so I know you're 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 holding him uh, holding Zach Collins up against the the highest of standards, which is probably fair because he's a first round pick, a yes. top five pick at that. So maybe we should hold. I think him. he was like a top ten pick. Yeah, yeah. So a high first round pick, and you look at Salvi Perez just just stealing strikes all night long, and a lot of that is just umpire fooling, as we talked about. But you know, on the flip side of of him doing a good job for his pitching staff, Zach Collins on the other side. If you just look at that inning with Garrett Crochet there in the eighth in the eighth inning, just at, at least two pitches that were missed uh, that were not framed up v- at well at all by Collins, and he ends up you know costing his pitcher two strikes, and Crochet gets out of that inning by the skin of his teeth, and you know it's just it's not good. Herb, if I had to ask you to guess. Uh, if you pull up baseball savant, where do you think on the sliding scale of zero to one hundred does Zach Collins rank in terms of pitch framing? Now, you know, I'll give you a second to think about that and just remember what all everyone says about him and how he's getting so much better back there and how he's really uh, refining his game back there. But on the zero to one hundred scale, where would you think we would find Zach Collins in terms of the league average pitch framing? Can I have a where the top person is if you got that? Like. I, reference point. I, I don't want to. Well, percentile. It's the sliding scale okay. is percentile. So okay. you know, I don't know who. I would is, say he would be in the twentieth percentile. He is zero. No way. <laughs> he is oh zero. God, no way. <laughs> yeah, that like, bad. Like again, I don't know how Jesus. how accurate these these things can be measured, but you know they measure everything at Baseball no Savant. Way. But if you if you Damn. pull up the pitch framing, it is very blue, <laughs> very far to the left, <laughs> zero. In That's terms the weird of, thing. Like they drafted him because he was. A catcher who can well, he hit was he was an on base, an on base machine. Like he yeah, but, didn't even really have the hit tool that polished. But they were hoping that if you could use that those tools of of knowing the strike zone, the power will come around eventually. And it just hasn't. He's basically just a, a platoon player at this point. And you know, and I, you hate to pick on one guy because the, the offense was not great. 
But when you have a night like last night, you the the weaknesses in the lineup are really um, apparent, and you just you need Grandal back sooner than later. I was telling the guys at the tailgate. Someone asked me uh, how long do they think Grandal is going to be out for? Do you think he'll be out for the season? And I said, well, he was out there doing some drills last week on on the homestand, so hopefully not too long. I would maybe uh, sit him out the 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 entire month of August just to get him some rest. Because uh, you don't want you want you want these guys to be ready when it's go time. But uh, looking at Zavala and Zach Collins, and and I think maybe it's got to be time for Matthew Lucroy. And oh God, just the fact that we're here at this point. But you need some production. You need better pitch framing. Uh, when, you, when you're talking about a game like this, it could be all the difference in the world, man. It's just it's insanely frustrating watching Zach Collins. My my whole thing with him is you know it. You know, the, the the average exit velocity is still sitting around uh, 90 miles an hour, which is not horrendous, but you just I, I just feel like he never really barrels it up. And I suppose I could look that up and quantify it, but just anecdotally, just watching him up there, he's he never has that look to him like he's going to hit the ball hard somewhere. And you, you, you don't ever worry about him hitting the ball over your head out of the ballpark. We're just hitting the ball in the gap somewhere. You just that he's not a threat out there. And for a first-round pick, that's kind of inexcusable. Yeah, um, I just don't know, like, how they thought that this is the guy. Like, after a while, like, you got to give a job to somebody. But I think we talked about it earlier. When they cut Lucroy, I was like very shocked because I was like, okay, they think that Zach Collins is ready to take the the load as a backup catcher. Cool. If they believe that, I gotta believe it because I haven't seen otherwise. Looked like he had the left center field stroke going early in spring training, but that's spring training. He was hitting the ball out of the ballpark a lot. But I had to default to them. Now that I've seen him play for a number of games, yeah, he's a young player first full year of playing baseball i give him that but also you would see like what they see and i don't see it yet i just i just don't know what they see in him like the potential question mark but you have yasmani for two more years yeah and that that to me spoke of how well zach was developing because if you have a big time catcher developing that you think is a major leaguer you don't go out and sign the richest contract in your team's history for him to be blocked for the next three years, four years in, in Yasmani's case. So I'm not very impressed with them. Uh, we just got to bide our time. They don't seem to worry about Yasmani's doing baseball activities. He's got to hurry back. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we can hear some news about him. If not him being back all the way, I know it's a little early, but goodness gracious, we need somebody at catcher to give some type of contribution. And right now I'm choosing Sevi Zavallo much more over Zach Collins. I don't care what the situation is. Well, if you look at, you know, uh, they, they signed Yasmani Grandal in the off season, I believe it was November of 2019. And earlier that summer, Nick Hostetler was uh, kicked upstairs, special assistant to Rick Hahn. So that tells you all you need to know about what they felt. You know, he did have the magical pick, uh, which it can be very polarizing. Boy, I wish they had him now, though. Um, but yeah, man, it's just uh, it, it's baffling because you, you just you haven't seen it even for stretches. They've, he's had moments like anyone could have a moment. Leary Garcia's had moments out there, but uh, Zach Collins just for any prolonged stretch, he has not uh, carried the team. You know, you don't look at that guy and be like, I just don't look at him and see, oh, that's that's a first round pick right there. So um, it's got to get better. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout, come back and talk about Eloy's return next. Here's 
here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. You know, with all the ever-increasing makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car is ever going to need. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your car an LX or an EX? Well, I don't know. Let me go out and look. And why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Look, the reality is when you go to rockauto.com and find your auto parts there, you're going to save time and money when you use our friends at Rock Auto. So why choose to pay 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or God forbid your dealership? For example, the Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 at a chain store, but only $216 at rockauto.com. See what I'm talking about? And they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers like you and I for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are always going to be reliably low for every single customer. And they've got everything too. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I know I'm hitting the road soon going up north. I'm going to check and make sure my car has everything it needs. And I'm going to do that by going to rockauto.com. Check them out. Won't you explore their easy to use website and find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. But Eloy did return last night and, you know, uh, it was good to see him out there and, you know, he goes 0 for 4, first at bat, ground out. Second at bat, he was robbed by Dozier, uh, another ground out to third base. Then he strikes out, and then the uh, weak pop out in the ninth inning to first base. But uh, overall, you know, not a great night for for Eloy. It's hard to not be super anxious. You know how emotional he is and how excited everyone was to have him back there. And it's certainly you would have hoped for a better debut, uh, but it is what it is. I think his presence in the lineup ultimately is going to be a good one. And just the fact that we're here on July 27th talking about Eloy being a fixture in the middle of your lineup, I don't think any of us would have, would have uh, seen this coming. But I would like to get your thoughts on just uh, Eloy coming back so quick because we didn't get a chance to talk about that, you and I, yesterday. But it's it's awesome, awesome, awesome to have him out there. Yeah, like we're saying when he got hurt, we're thinking September, healthy, looking good, looking like the old Eloy. You know, didn't get any hits, but put some bat on the ball, broken bat, uh, ground out in the first or uh, in the second inning. He he looks like him. He looks like the timings there. And oh, for four, yeah, it's not great. But I think, you know, a player coming back with tough pitcher as uh, Mike Miner proved to be today. And, of course, that Barlow kid is filthy, even though we got a, a run off of him. I think Eloy would be great. And having him for these extra, this extra month that we didn't think. And you, like you said, Hector Gomez needs credit on that because he had <laughs> that beat. That is as serious as the White Sox think. It's three months. He'll be back. And Hector was right. It's about three months, right? Three, four months. So. Yeah. Having him back is a godsend, and then Luis Robert following in his footsteps not too far away, that lineup's deadly, and those are the type of things we need for this postseason, those two guys to be healthy and doing their thing. Yeah, so Eloy's going to have basically the entire month of August if he wants to catch up and get reacclimated to big league life, to big league pitching. Uh, he certainly he looked a, a, a bit you know, anxious, but you're sitting here with an eight-and-a-half game lead uh, with the idle Cleveland team. Uh, I almost said it. I almost said the I word. Um, and so it, it, you could not have asked to be put in a better spot considering where we were in March. I think if we would have, uh, you know, asked ourselves where the Sox would be at at the end of July after the day of the Eloy injury, I would have held fast to my prediction because uh, I don't, you know, 
back away from predictions with one injury, but I, I don't think any of us would have foreseen uh, an eight and a half game lead. So you, you have to take it, obviously. Um, more stuff from this game. You know, uh, the the book on the Sox, at least from uh, last night's game, and I don't want you know they were making a lot lots of weak contact, lots of sliders, heavy heavy dose of sliders to White Sox hitters last night. Lots of weak contact, ground balls, uh, keeping the ball low. It does uh, gives this team a chance to not elevate against you, and uh, you know, ball go far, team go far. When the Sox don't hit the home runs, they're they you know they're lately. They've been in trouble. This is sort of a different team than we saw earlier on in the year, uh, but they, they've certainly been home run uh, reliant. They've been one of the top teams in the last month in terms of hitting the home run, and when you don't get those, typically uh, you're not going to do so favorably. Um, but, yeah, that, that last play of the game, um, you, I'll get to one positive from this game, but the uh, the, the play there that ends the game with, uh, with Brian Goodwin up and uh, he hits that line drive to second base and Adam Engel gets doubled off, you know, it looked like you know that that was something that Tony had called for the the hit and run to stay out of the double play and I get it but it was just uh, it was frustrating 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 in that spot um, I, you know I I get the logic but uh, it's not the way you want to end a ball game right there not at all but I was fine with that he was doing the hit and run wanting to stay out of the double play there if Brian Goodwin hits it on the ground um, and sometimes those happen. You know, he got jammed, hit a soft little liner. I thought it was just going to go over the second baseman's head, but I forgot Kansas City plays weird. And so that ball just went right into the second baseman's glove and for an easy double play to end the game. I just think sometimes it's not your day and things go against you a lot. Like the ump wasn't great for us, Oof. but it wasn't, you know, egregious like yeah. the other day. Um, you know, our, our fielding was fine. We did enough with the bats to at least uh, make it a one run game, but you know, like a little better bats versus Mike minor didn't work out. And like you were saying about Dallas Keiko, his outing while not good, it wasn't horrible. It was fine enough for you could keep the the team in the game. What he what six innings and gave up four earned lock, a lot of hard hit contact. Those four hits he gave up uh, to score runs, but I just think that sometimes you just got to throw your hands up and say, you're going to lose some of these games. And I just hope that they get that one out of their system quickly and understand it's not when, who you play. It's when you play them. And right now the Royals, I think that was their sixth win in a row. So they're on a little hot streak right now. And I am not happy that we're playing them right before the trade deadline, because I think some people will be leaving that team, namely with Merrifield when we play them next week. So, you know, maybe these guys are auditioning for another team to play on. Jorge Soler <laughs> is one of them, maybe. Yeah, um, I, I, if you remember before the season when we looked at potential trade deadline targets before the DH thing was resolved and they decided to go with Andrew Vaughn, you remember your, your guy over here said Jorge Soler would be a guy that I'd be targeting. I, I, I said I don't think they'd go within the division, but that would be a guy that I think would be uh, – I thought he was going to have a better year than he's had at this point, but it certainly mm-hmm. looks like he's heating up at just the right time because he realizes, oh, train's leaving Kansas City. <laughs> better start I keep up playing meaningful games. <laughs> yeah, so I better start hitting the little bit here but my one positive thing from this game um other than Eloy just being back Cody Hoyer sometimes you can look at a game like tonight and you know it it seems uh 
you know, um, inconsequential. It was kind of a black game that you want to just forget about right away. But Cody Hoyer comes in. I think he threw only six or seven pitches, and he's able to get three uh, weak ground outs, and that's pretty good. The control was there. Uh, it seems like the, they were trying to attack early in the count against him, but still he was able to get that contact there. And I, I'm hoping, 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 you know, I, this doesn't mean that they shouldn't go out and still get someone, but if you can have the, the Cody Hoyer that we know, uh, you know, who's just filthy, I think that'll serve the Sox well the rest of the way. And maybe this is one of those times where you, you can't say the game was a total loss because it, it instilled some confidence back in uh, your young right-hander there. I, I hope I'm right anyway. Maybe you're just you're trying to speak things into existence, but uh, they need We've to get – done that before. We have. So we got to get Cody Hoyer going, man. I, I think he's vital. I think he's one of the people that we, if Rick doesn't get anybody in this trade deadline uh, for a right-handed reliever, he's one of the people that – Tony has to rely on and so him being the guy that he was last year is is vital for the White Sox success in the playoffs because we were talking about it uh, a couple nights ago that the bridge guy to Michael Kopech who's been struggling with command the last couple of starts or the last couple of relief appearances from Michael Kopech to Liam Hendricks needs to be somebody solid especially if you're facing a nice right-handed loaded lineup Cody Hoyer being the guy that he was last year as opposed to the struggling guy that we've seen most of the time this year would be awesome to have him uh, return to form of 2020. We'll wrap things up. Preview tomorrow's show next here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Money lines every night, over unders. It's all there for you if you enjoy betting on baseball at Bet Online. They've got all the other sports too NBA finals coming to a close, football futures, golf. I've talk to you about some of the crazy fun prop bets they have going on at bet online got some new ones here just added aside from the alien abduction props which i always enjoy they have who will bill gates date next what about jeff bezos who will marry first bezos or gates you can place a bet on that. Before the next pitch, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website and use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. No voicemails tonight. Uh, people not anxious uh, to check in about this one. Uh, 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. LockedOnSox at gmail.com if you ever want to hit us up during the game, if you have any questions, comments, concerns. We're going to be doing recaps all week because the Sox do not have an off day this week, so we'll be here uh, breaking it all down and a preview of tomorrow's show here. The Probables, as we mentioned earlier in the show, for the White Sox, it'll be Dylan Cease, who goes to the mound with a 7-6 and six record with a 4-2-1 earned run average against everyone's favorite, uh, Brad Keller, 7-9 and nine with a 5-8-4. Brad Keller, really good, I feel like. Disappointing. The, la- the last, yeah, you, you, you know it's there, and obviously they think that it's there because they've stuck with Brad Keller for many years now, and I know you can never give up on young pitching, and you've seen flashes. He had a really good outing against the la- the, uh, the White Sox one of the last times he threw against them. But, yeah, it's, uh, this is a matchup here where the Sox can get right, and uh, it's it was said in the pregame yesterday that it looks like Eloy is likely going to play left field uh, tonight, and he will go back to DHing tomorrow. So uh, that'll be an adventure. We'll see how that one plays out. But it's a horrible uh, left field to start off with. Uh, 
Yeah, man. Um, I hate that left field. It's just so you know weird. Yeah, the the right field is worse. Um, yeah. I, I said on the on the show today that you know what can happen to Eloy out there in Coffin Stadium, and you know I said you know he could drown in the fountain out there. You know I could hit see fence, <laughs> hit the fence. Oh God, first. yeah. So you know, I, I, you know, how do you feel about about that here already in game two? Uh, of the Eloy return era that they're going to have him out there in left field. I, you know, not a fan there, folks. Yeah, it's – see, if he was just a bad left fielder, I would be smooth with it. Like, And he needs to play left field to unleash the hit tool. Fine. I would be fine with him doing that. But he actively gets hurt playing the outfield. So that's why I worry. I worry a ball's hit – into left center field that he's going to run into the center fielder. Those things shouldn't be a worry for a major league baseball player. Some people have that natural gene just to play left field. We saw Andrew Vaughn handle it well, very well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was a finalist for the gold glove, if they do it individually for left fielders, he's been awesome. So Eloy doesn't have that. And we've seen it for two seasons now. Sometimes people don't have it and that's fine. He's there for his bat. Give me his bat only. I pray to God nothing happens to Lloyd. I want nothing in the world to happen except for him to be the player he used to be. And I think that playing him in left field is holding him back from doing that. Yeah, so, you know, just real quick tip of the cap to Andrew Vaughn, who has moved up to the two-hole last night. I love, love, love that until you can find a better option. Andrew Vaughn is your hottest hitter on the team right now, and he comes through with the big two-run RBI single. I love him in that two-hole right there, so you got to keep him in the lineup any way you can. Uh, but also remember, he hasn't played a full season of baseball in two years, so I'd like to get him a breather, and if that means a DH and let Eloy play left, then I'm cool with that. I'm going to predict Eloy the first bomb tonight uh, coming off the right-handed pitcher being in left field, and he's going to make all of us feel uncomfortable. Uh, the production is going to be better with him in left field, so that'll be uh, something for us to talk about. But uh, as far as today goes, that's all I got today. That is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, Eckenwall 23, and our show is at Locked on Socks. 312-566-8727. Got to send in those voice messages, guys. See yours the other day, Paul, correct? We weren't doing a show. You sent it in too late. Sorry, brother. Or LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you can email us. For Chris, my name is Herb. Thank you for listening to Locked on Socks.